Now, when I was very young, 20s, okay, I was attending this church, Glad Tidings already. And I was um, with some young people, and I began to sing a song. Now, how many of you know Paul Anchor? Put up your hand. Okay, I have a gang here. Same song we sing. So, because yesterday in my the young adult survey, I'm not, Saturday at 5, because a lot of young adults, Saturday at 5, hardly anyone knows who is Paul Anger. <laughs> it was different age. And so therefore, I, I was singing this song. And this song is, if those who know, I don't like to sleep alone. Stay with me, don't go. And you guess who heard my song? My pastor. Not Pastor Vincent, because that time I was still very young and in GT. I won't tell you the pastor's name. Lah. He heard me and said, what are you singing? <laughs> Oops. Uh, just singing only. Lah. That's not a good song. Okay. Uh, and I realized, actually, the song, I, don't, I only sing these few verses, but other verses are not so good, like, help me make it through the night, da, 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 right? And so I've never sung this song ever since. Very obedient to the pastor. I've never sung this song. But it's not that I sing all the Christian songs uh, also. Uh. I also sing, Mamma Mia, there I go again. <laughs> I do sing all this song. You are the dancing queen. And, you know, but some songs I sing, I will make sure I change the words. Right? Because some words are not so good, like, the greatest love of all. How many of you know song? It's easy to achieve. Learning to love. Ah, you see? Change the words. Learning to love the Lord. Yeah, it's the greatest love of all. Yeah. So some songs, I love the songs still, huh? but I change the songs. It's true. Some songs are not good for us, really. I remember in a car, I was taking Pam Sievert in a car and the radio was on, I wasn't really listening, I was listening to her. But one song came, not so good one. I said, can you switch off the radio? Oh, oh, oh. then we recognized maybe that song is not very good. True, some songs are not good for our spirit, right? And I was Googling bad songs, depressing songs. Because I'm not really sure what are some depressing songs. So I look Google at it. And one guy says, he has one list of depressing songs, you know. I really don't know many of them. And he says, this song is so good. It's so depressing. Huh? So good and it's so depressing. I brought tears to my eyes. It was very depressing. People are still hearing all this very depressing song. But my message today is, what's your song? What's your song? What songs are you singing? And it's not talking about the songs generally that we are singing, but what is coming out of your life? What are the songs coming out from your heart? What are the songs coming out of your mind and your attitudes, your spirit? What songs are we singing? So therefore, I want to look into Mary's song of praise, the Magnificat. Okay, for my scripture today. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55, 56. Mary's song of praise. If you can see, 
Can we have the words? Is there a words? If not, okay. Those who can see, let us read together. One, two, three. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful for the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. From here, what is Mary singing about? Why is she singing this song? What happened before this that she has this song to sing? And so we go back to the earlier passage in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 45, to see the reason that she is singing this song, okay? So verses 26 onwards, in the sixth year, let's read together, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the lost servant, Mary answers. So what did she say? May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. May your word to me be fulfilled. One thing, how can this be? And she says now, may your word to me be fulfilled. Let's pray. Father, thank you. This Christmas season is so good to remember, oh God, your love for us. Remember what Jesus did coming down for us. Remembering our new life in Christ Jesus. Remembering, oh God, your goodness upon us. This Christmas season, maybe have the right attitude towards Christmas. And Christmas is about celebration of Christ. And so Lord, we celebrate you, dear Jesus. We celebrate your kindness, your goodness, your love. And this morning, speak to our hearts. Open our hearts that we can hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, what type of person is Mary? We have read about her. But do you have any inkling of 
how she is. Of course, some people worship him, and of course, we don't believe in worshiping Mary, but we believe in honoring her. What type of girl or lady she is? Because probably she's like a teenager at that time, okay? But I, I can tell you one thing about Mary. She is a great disciple. She is a great disciple. We can see and we can admire Mary for her bravery, right? This young girl, there is no, uh, there's unequal bravery when she, the angel appeared to her and said, you know, you are going to be the burial of Christ, the Son of God. And when she said, yes, maybe to me, as you have said. Wow, the willingness the obedience to the Lord, her willingness to even go through this difficult path. And it's going to be difficult. It's not easy. Barrel of Christ. And obedient even to the end. She was there, devoted to her son. From birth, birth was there. And even at the time of Jesus at the cross, his mother Mary was there too. Did Mary really know what she was in for? Did she know that she would be the fulfillment, to be part of the fulfillment of the Lord Jesus Christ? When she said, may it be to me what you have said. The famous portion that we read just now, the Magnificat, gives us evidence that Mary knew the Old Testament. She knew her Bible. When she praised the Lord with this song, she was actually quoting a lot from Hannah's song. You read in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, there was Hannah's song that she also sang when the Lord told her that she would have child and this child would be Samuel, the prophet and, and priest. And therefore, she quoted heavily from Old Testament phrases. She really knew the Word of God and as a Jew, she had learned about prophecy. And, uh, and, and I believe as her entire life, she'll have the Word of God, prophecy in her life. And she knew what she was in for, that she would be the fulfillment, even part of this, of this prophecy. So, let's go back to the first Christmas again. You see, what was her difficulties as a mother? Right? In uh, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, we see that Caesar has issued a decree that uh, she will be taken of the entire Roman world. And therefore, Joseph, who was of the town of Nazareth in Galilee, had to go back to Bethlehem because he was of uh, the lineage of David, in the line of David. Therefore, taking Mary together to go to, from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem. How many miles? I was googling. Well, how many miles was that? Was that? Travel, no car on the donkey. It was ninety miles to the city of Joseph's ancestors. How many km? One hundred forty-five. To Suramban is how far? Anyone knows? One hour plus something, something. I suppose. No. How many km? Huh? Sixty something, whatever. Wow. So this is 145 and no car and it would be on donkey, walking and it's a grueling path. It's not like just flat road or the mountains and so on. And to be pregnant. 
You know, you should have said, okay, I give up. Lah. Too difficult. Too difficult, this path. I cannot take it anymore. And earlier, you know, to be pregnant and not married, it will be a social stigma. It's sad to say there are many now uh, born to single parents, sing, uh, um, single mom. But during that time, it would be a bad thing. You could be even stoned for what you did. You'll be a, like a fornicator, a doubter. So she had not an easy time being right, the mother of Jesus. We see in place, one, uh, you know, during Christmas, there were a lot of place, right? You will see Mary, you know, children, cute little Joseph and Mary coming in, you know, and then they were, oh, find the manger, and then they were sit down. There's no baby yet. Huh? Then suddenly, a baby doll will come out, you know, put, put on the manger, and Jesus will be there, and the, the, and the shepherd will come, and wise men will come. It seems such a beautiful story, and it is, right? The beautiful picture of the God sending His Son. And it seems so easy. But can you imagine those who have given birth? Giving birth, if you think, giving birth in a manger, uh, in the barn. You are, you, where do you give birth to? Uh, in, in hospitals? Sunway, Subang, good hospital. And yet, wow, the excruciating pain when you had to bear that you're going to, oh, the child is coming out. Was the husband with you? Some of them say yes. Some, I remember one lady told me, I said, oh, good, uh, your husband was with you during the... Ayo, the husband told me, I think the husband, I uh, suffered, man. Uh, you see all my scratches? Uh, because of her, she grabbed me. That was so much pain. And that speaks of the pain. And yet this baby was born in a manger with all the cow dung, you know, all the smelly, with all the crowd. That's what Mary had to go through. To me, she was a strong lady. To me, she was strong in the faith, in the belief in God. Willingness to say, hey, all the way, all the way. What made her so strong? What made her, you know, her willingness to devotion to God, whatever challenges she still believed, and she still willing to follow what the Lord asked her to do. I believe you can see in the contents of the song, Mary's song. I find there are three things I can learn from in Mary's song. That, that was her faith. That was a belief. That was a trust that helped her through. What songs do you sing when you are sad? You know those days? We sing sad songs like, I'm nobody's child. I'm nobody's child. Did that make you feel good? <laughs> but there was a song people sing, maybe it out of their heart. Because they say, I'm nobody's child. Nobody loves me. I'm going wild. That was some people's song that there is no love that they can get from anyone. 
Or people sing like yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Now it seems they are here to stay. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. Oh, thank you, thank you. But that is the song. All my troubles now. I'm having so much trouble now. And, and why, God? I'm a believer. What? Why do I face so much? Thing? Look at my neighborhood. I'm cursing God and look at his Porsche, his Mercedes Benz, you know. Why? And what song comes off of your heart in times of difficulty? Hopelessness, depression, loneliness. So we're going to look at Mary's song and look at Magnificat. The word, they got the word Magnificat because of the, in Latin, the first word magnify. Magnify, of course, means exalting, right? Glorifying. They say, my soul, I want to glorify the Lord. That's what Mary said. My spirit, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's a desire. After what the angel told her, that's a desire. Say, I want to magnify the Lord. It's good. I want to praise Him. I want to tell of His goodness that people can see His greatness. I want to rejoice in my Savior. Now He's referring to the coming Savior. Mary begins to sing about the Lord, the long-expected Messiah. Now is going to appear. After 400 years of silence, from the Old Testament to the New. 400 years, nobody spoke. No prophet spoke. God did not speak. And now, that's why I said, magnify the Lord. It's going to come to pass. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. So the ABCs of Mary's song, number one, or A, okay, to help you remember, A is the assurance of God's love. The assurance of God's love. I will magnify Him because... Why do I want to praise Him? It's because He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, and it's true, isn't it? All generations will call me blessed. And now everybody honors Mary. He has looked upon me, my humble estate. And another version that I like, NIV says, He has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. Now Mary probably was, as I said, a teenager, probably a peasant girl from a backward village. And Mary did not say, I'm so humble. But Mary is saying, God has looked upon me. He loved me in my lowly situation. He revealed himself to me. He has chosen me to be the bearer of the king of kings, the son of God. Therefore, now he, she sings that song. I'm singing that song. Tell me. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about this God who has freely, graciously loved me. He has favored me. has come into my heart. He has changed my life. This God who is interested in me when nobody cared to hoots about me. God was there who loved me, he cared for me, changed my life. And now, all generations down the line will remember and honor her and call her blessed. 
First of all, I would say, Mary was assured of God's love. Earlier, earlier we see that Mary asked that question, how can this be? That I'm a virgin, I'm not married. How can this be that I would be a mother? And now in this time, it's so different. You see, he's praising God. God, you chose me. I'm so thankful. You know, there are times that, and, and many of you might have come into the church, confused, perplexed, with various problems. problems. And when the worship time, you didn't, you don't feel like worshipping. How many have felt that before? Nobody? Very good. But yes, sometimes we come and we don't feel like worshipping at home. Our children are quarreling. You know, there has bills to be paid. There's so much to be done and our company, my boss is after me. My Whatever challenges you're facing. And when you come to church, it's so hard to lift your hands. You may come to church and you might just fold your hands, still thinking about your problems. People worship your mouths away. And how do you go home? The same way you came. Those are the times, my brother, my sister. Those are the times. It's a great time to worship the Lord. You cannot but worship. As someone said, it's easy to worship God when everything is going great for you. But what about when your life seems to be falling apart? When your life is pain-free, worship is a luxury. But worship is a necessity when you are struggling. You have to worship the Lord. That's when you will find the help, the very present help in times of trouble. And even though I don't understand, Mary would say, I don't understand what's going to happen. I still worship. I still will praise you. So though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. Though your feelings come and go, you will sometimes feel a bit low. You will feel high. But God's love does not come and go. It's constant. That's why we need that assurance as children. It begins there. We are assured of the presence of God. So no matter what we face, we know God is there for us as Mary has experienced. In my um, leadership meeting two, a few weeks ago, I told the leaders, next week, or next week, next year will be my 30 years of ministry in Glad Tidings. So old, I say. Huh? <laughs> so many years. And that was, after that came from Podixon, I came here. 30 years. In the 30 years, would I have challenges? Do you think that I faced any problems, challenges of ministry and disappointment in ministry? Of course! Pastors are also human, man. Huh? Did I feel like quitting sometimes? Yes, of course, Pastor. Not because of you, ah. Huh? Well, 
I have felt like quitting after you, you sack me because I say that. Uh, <laughs> no need you to, I will just give you a letter. <laughs> so I have felt there are times that we struggle because to lead a people, sometimes it's not easy. We get disappointed in times where there are disappointments and we do face that. But honestly, you know what kept me many years? What kept me true? Not that I will leave my faith, but I'll leave the ministry. What kept me is because of one simple song I sing in kids' church or junior church. What is that song? Simple. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Wow, that's my song. Uh, you can take it as your song also. Jesus loves me. It's not that Jesus loves my ministry. Jesus loves because I can serve Him. But it is Jesus loves me, period. Whatever, whether I have done well preaching, you know, sometimes, you know, whether we have done well in the ministry, I just thank you, Lord. You're a good God. You love me. Do I fail you sometimes? You love me. And that's where it begins as Christians. The fact that Jesus loves you. You, each person. The second thing, the B, is the bowls of God's power. The bowls of God's power in verse 49, verses 49 to 53. For the mighty one has done great things for me. That's what, <clears throat> that's what uh, Mary said. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. So next part of this song is the area of her thanksgiving and gratefulness to the Lord. And I want to use it because of B, both. Boasting of the Lord. Her boast is the Lord. And what was she boasting about? God has done great things for me. Has chosen me to be His servant, His handmaiden. And the virgin to conceive and bear a son is truly almighty power. Truly, this is going to be the greatest story ever told. The greatest story ever told. When is it happening? Next week. Take all these flyers. Bring someone along. Bring your friends, your uh, relatives, your neighbours. Bring someone because the greatest story ever told is going to be told. We're going to see it in action. That's one thing we can do. Bring someone. Because it is truly Better than the greatest showman. Right? Because this is truly, true, life-changing, this greatest story ever told. Now, when Mary said, I thank God for the great things He has done. The many things that God has done. God has healed. 
we have seen that God heals. God saves. But I, as a pastor, have seen people die also. Right now, when we pray, people die. And you have also. When you prayed so hard for your father or your spouse or child, you prayed so hard and that person, that loved one still die. You believe God, you claim everything and that person still died. You said, God, I trusted you. I was so sure that you were healed. Can I still proclaim? Can I still boast of your power? You know the other verse that says, For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Another version talks about the word holy can be used, can be the word good. That God is good. It is abundant goodness. His kindness. He's saying, God, you have done great things and you are a good God. Your goodness is exuberant. Your kindness is great. And so what thing that helps me and it, it does work for me, I don't know about you. When bad things happen, when death takes place, when I, I believe so hard, it's God is good. There's a thing that will sustain and I believe that no matter what happens, my premise, my base should be that God is good. You're never a bad God. Two weeks ago, we had a sort of an interview in the young adults, uh, sorry, Saturday at 5. And Julie Wong and uh, Felicia yeah, was asked to share their testimony. Both lost their loved one. Julie lost her son, Norman. Felicia lost her mother at a teenage age. Her mother uh, was passed away and she, because she, like, she was like robbed and then she fell and someone knocked her head and, and they lost their loved ones. And one of the things, they shared their story, they grieved, they cried, you know, they believed God, but the main thing that they say, you know, is that also. That my base but my belief is such that no matter what happened, it will never change the fact that God is good. So therefore, whatever they face, the pain of losing a loved one, they will never point a finger and curse God and run away from God or get angry with God, though they might not understand. But because of their strong faith, they say God is good, it carries them through. So with that faith, with that understanding that God is good and God is still powerful, we still pray, we still share, and we still would go there, believe in the family for the salvation, believe for the family, the healing, because we still proclaim that God is a powerful God. And that's what we continue. To still have healing rallies. We still believe God's power. It doesn't change things if someone dies. It doesn't change the fact that God is good, God is powerful. The God, let us boast about our God. 
the Mag Magnificat also highlights a series of reversals. He says here, mercy for the, those who fear him. Scattered, he said, the reversal, scattered the proud. He brought down the mighty, but he exalted the humble. The hungry, he fills with good things. The rich, that no spiritual hunger or need of God, he sent them away empty. From all these verses here, we can see that God values humility. God values a dependence on Him. Look at some of the verses in various parts of the Bible. Isaiah says, I live with Him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. God lives with you if you are contrite heart and lowly in spirit, the humility. He looks upon the lowly and here he talks about humility. Okay? God gives grace to the humble but God opposes the proud. You want grace? The answer is, be humble. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. God hates pride, but God loves a humble heart. So whatever situation you are in, if it's in your company, having problems, relationships, whatever, need, you need to humble yourself before the Lord. Depend on the Lord and comes God in humility to seek the Lord. He seeks the humble and the contrite. He imparts rich blessings to those who feel that they need Him. Karin Lowe was at our lady's cell. Karin is here, I think. And uh, she was asked to share about her life and her, her, her career. And she said that she was the first MD, local MD, the first local MD of this international company. First one, earlier was all uh, the other foreigners. First one and some a lady. And it was very challenging. She said, so challenging. I have to come and seek the Lord and seek the Lord and trust the Lord. And when she testified of God's goodness, it was all about boasting about what God did for her. What God was, God was the one she turned to and God turned things around for her. And in this company, attained market leadership as number one in the health and beauty in Malaysia the same year she went in. She had also a platinum award as best retailer in Malaysia and also best employer award voted by 28,000 graduates. All, she said, Really, it's God. I give glory to God. Also here we read about generations. The Lord is merciful to those uh, who fear Him, who trust Him. Generation to generation, He blesses. And this generation... The Bible generation can mean a few things like 30 years. It could mean a perverse generation. This characteristic of this generation. And so therefore, actually, in this generation, it's more like a Bible, 30 years or so. Okay, so let's talk about generation. Which generation are you in? Let's start with the top. Huh? 1925 to 1945. 
you are the silent generation. Anyone from the silent generation, though you are not so silent? Anyone put up a hand? Scan? I'm sure we have. Or when offer service. Okay, now, the second one. I tell you, this one is the most, uh, huh? The baby boomers! Oh, put up a hand. Come on, baby boomers, you are 55 to 73. I am in that baby boomer. Actually, the most should be baby boomers, right? <laughs> in this service. Yesterday, uh, I was very lonely in the Saturday at 5. I put up my hand one or two only. All then X and all millennials. Lah. So, very, they said they don't understand my message. <laughs> and the songs that is. So, therefore, next one, let's check. Uh, are there Gen X with us? 40 to 54 years? Wow, so many. You sure you're so young? Ah? Huh? I thought you my boomer. No. Ah. <laughs> These are well, quite a lot. The Gen X. Come on, put up your hand. Hey, quite, quite. Wow, very good. Very a lot also. Now, let's try. What about the millennials? The 25 to 39. Wow, wow many. Yeah, here also got. Wow, we are a family church, uh, really. Let's go down, huh? Let's see, Gen Z and iGen, 7 to 24. God also! Yeah, God also! Ah, yeah, yeah, also God. Oh, uh, one more, huh? the Gen Alpha, 1 to 6. Oh, God, God, <laughs> Gen Alpha, also God. <laughs> Open up hand, yeah, Gen Alpha, the youngest one. Now, whatever generations, you are needed to build God's kingdom. I think most generally is the boomers. The boomers here, no, after every uh, training, uh, the boomers will come and say, can I have a, uh, the brochure, uh, brochure? Can I have the leaflets? Uh? Can, uh, can I have notes or not? That's the boomers. Uh? You know, we always collect notes. Uh. I remember, I thank God our team, uh, the pastoral team, we have millennials, Gen X, we have boomers. Wow. Great, right? We have... Generations, different generations, all serving together, all bringing their giftings to the table. And you are all, whatever generation, you can bring that gifting. And so therefore, the boomers, right? Are you still writing notes with your notepad? Huh? You still got notes, not notepad? I got, I got, <laughs> writing notes, huh? huh? The, I think the millennials are on iPad already. La. Oh, you have also a notebook, ah. And they say, uh, if you want a pen, uh, take from the boomers. Uh, because they will have the pen, no pen. They will have two pens, not only one pen. Uh, so they, they are the ones. I have a few pens also. You know, still writing. Still, you, you look at my diary. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, son. And they always ask me, why you don't use the iPad? Why you don't use the digital one? Why? I'm still, even preaching. Uh, many of you have used iPad. Pastor have moved the radio to iPad. Uh. Ah, but I still like that. See? Still notes. You know why? Suddenly, I want to preach. Ayo, the battery all gone, huh? No more notes. Nah, you're by the head. So I, I, I feel very <sighs> secured, safe with my notes. Lah. Now, I was looking at the Gen X and Millennials character. Just going down. And one thing struck me. You know what they said? But I think it's more millennials. Huh? 
strong sense of entitlement. Huh? What you mean, huh? strong sense of entitlement? And self-entitlement is when an individual perceives themselves as deserving of unearned privileges. These are the people who believe life owes them something, a reward, a measure of success, a particular standard of living. That means they are entitled. They feel they're entitled. What happened? Huh? Who are the millionaires here, Gen X? Why? Uh? Why? Why like that? Who are your parents? Tell me. Your parents are the boomers. They're not. And then I, re I research, I research. Gen X, they are pampered by their parents. Then millionaires, greatly indulged by fun-loving parents. Oh, see the guilty face? Oops, I don't know. Yeah, not. Because maybe boomers didn't have so much. Lah. But now that we earn, we will pamper our kids. We want them to have everything they have. No, we want them to have everything possible. I didn't have, but ah, yo, you can have. We pamper. And some don't know where to stop no pampering. Give and give and give. And therefore, we can become an entitled generation. What can we do now? Pamper already, huh? Take back. Ah. Can, ah? Take back the car, come. Quick, on your own car. I think we have to learn to teach them thankfulness and gratefulness. That we will not be like the entitled. This is due to me. And sometimes Christians also like that. Ah. Because we say, I am your child, God. I belong to you. I belong... Oh. You are a good God and you will give me, I, I'm entitled to all these things because I'm faithful. I pay my tithes, you know. I go to church and therefore, all the blessing is due to me. But actually, honestly, come on. God does not owe us anything. Amen? God does not owe us. He is what He is. He is who He is and He does what He does because He is a good God. Go back to that. He's a good God. He's a loving God. And we need to. Therefore, when we know that we don't deserve it, we become more thankful. The same thing, I think, the generations need to learn to be thankful and learn to bring whatever they're gifting to the table to build God's kingdom. You are important. From the children, they can be leaders. Every generation can be leaders for the kingdom of God. Because leadership means influencers. You can influence your generation. And that's why we need all the generations. In pastoral team, we need all the generations. We are thankful for our team, those creative millennials uh, and uh, ex-gen. You know, we thank God for them. Thank God also for other faithful servants, the boomers too. All of us are needed. So with us believers, let us learn to be thankful. Let's go on. Okay, last one is C. Wow, C is what? Confidence of God's purpose. A confidence of God's purpose. Not only, only are we assured of the love of God, not only are we going to be thankful to Him, boasting of His power, we need to be confident that He has purpose for us. He's a purposeful God and He is able to fulfill His purpose because He's a promise-keeping God. 
is able to keep his promise. And even as we read the, the two verses, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and, and to his offspring forever. Therefore, I said, Mary knows the scriptures. Referring back to the time of Abraham in Genesis 12, where God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you, your name great. And you will be a blessing. And because that promise, though it took a long time, it came the day Jesus was born. That Israel, through the seed of Abraham, will come a savior of the world. And who will be that blessing? We will be that blessing. Are we spiritual sons and daughters also of Abraham? So the same promise to us, the same purpose is to us, that I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless you and make you a blessing. Not only do we have the love of God, not only do we have the power of God, we have even the purpose of God in our lives. God has a purpose for each one of us. We are not just to enjoy the pleasures in a sense, enjoy all the blessings of the Lord, but God has a purpose for each one of you. He knows you by name, and He says in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, What? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He has good plans for us, each one of us. Do you know God's plan for you? And of course, it starts with the area of committing his, our lives to Him and serving Him. Whatever giftings you are. And of course, being a in the area of ministry of reconciliation. That, that it begins with that. That you will be a witness for Him. Not just making money, making more money. But what about your spiritual work? The spiritual contribution to the kingdom of God. So know that you have a purpose. Be confident that God's purpose will be fulfilled in you. Even as He's called me to the ministry when I was early 20s, I did not understand everything, went to Bible school, don't know where to go and so on. But God called me and has led me thus far. And I find fulfillment in serving the purpose God has for me. So, what has been sustaining me, as I said, these are my most loved songs. What am I singing? Not necessarily just by singing as in verbal singing. But what comes from my heart for all these years of ministry is songs unto the Lord. As I say, Jesus loves me, this I know. And that sustains me. And the song that I sing is, I need thee every hour. Oh, I need thee every hour. It's my dependence on Him. God is the strength of my life. There are times that, wow, I just need that strength so much. You are the peace that guards my heart. When they find that stress, they find that difficulty, I say, God, peace, Lord, give me peace. And one of the favorite songs, even is a, a current song. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And I sing that song, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. What songs come out of you? Come out of your heart? 
come out of your attitudes, come out of your spirit. Sometimes we need to change our songs that comes out, right? If there have been negative songs in our hearts, we need to bring out those positive songs in, of faith. Do you know the Lord also sings? And the Lord sings louder than us. He says here in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. And He will exalt you with loud singing. Wow. Loud singing. Come on. Huh? God sings. He sings over you. His blessings. I want to end with this song. Uh, not song. This story. Chris Quilala. He wrote the song, Miracles. And Miracles is a song about choosing to believe the truth that God is who He says He is. In Chris' testimony, he says, in December 2014, my wife and I lost our baby boy, Jethro. And as my wife laboured in the hospital room, we were praying and believing God for to do a miracle. Scripture is full of stories telling of the miracles God has done. Matthew 11, 4-5 says, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. But we did not see our son Jethro come back to life. As we held him in our arms and prayed, we had a choice to believe God is good all the time, and no matter what the outcome, He is and will always be the God of miracles. He wrote this song. The one who does impossible is reaching out to make me whole. The one who put death in his place, his life is flowing through my veins. I believe in you. I believe in you. You are the God of miracles. Beautiful song. Going through a tragedy, a grief. So I believe in you. You are still the God of miracles. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.